This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 27th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The Dissident Project seeks to bring high school students into direct contact with people who have suffered under repressive regimes. Grace Bedalek directs the project. Francis Huey of Hong Kong is a speaker at the project. I am the director of the Dissident Project, which is a speakers bureau for young dissident speakers from around the world to talk about their experiences in American high schools. We are under the umbrella of Young Voices, and our, our whole mission is to provide these stories to American high school students for free uh, in order to sort of shake the apathy that we're, that we're noticing out of American high schoolers and to reinforce that they are so lucky and so blessed to be citizens of the United States. And it, it seems immediately clear to anyone who's familiar with the story of somebody like Jimmy Lai or you know, wholesale oppression that governments regularly undertake even in our modern age but young people you know their connection to that is yeah books yes videos precisely meeting an actual human being who has experienced this and who has you know suffered because of it is probably pretty stunning what has been the experience thus far yeah i mean young people we write about this at the distant project have a sort of historical amnesia and we're seeing this more broadly. We, we don't understand our history, right? We, we don't understand where we've come from uh, as a country and why it, is we, why it is we were formed as a country. And so it's incredibly important for students to come face to face with people who have experienced real oppression and, you know, real authoritarianism. And, you know, in addition to that, what's so cool about the Dissident Project is that, you know, it's not an 80-year-old Cuban person visiting a high school and talking about a story that happened, you know, far off in history by any means. It's young people speaking to young people. And so our most of our dissidents range from 20 to 30 years old in age. You know, we have Frances Hoy here. She's 24. And, you know, she has firsthand experience in Hong Kong protesting for Hong Kongers' rights. And so these people, these young people can see themselves in our dissident speakers, which we think is incredible. Do you get a lot of pushback? You know, we have gotten a little bit of pushback from people in blue states, from from public schools in blue states. But otherwise, Explain that. yeah, it's 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 interesting. The project has a tendency to be politicized, and really, we're trying to be as apolitical as possible and just say, hey, you know, this is. This is somebody's real-world experience. It's really difficult to argue with somebody's real-world experience, you know, having been from Eritrea or Hong Kong or Venezuela or North Korea, which is where our dissidents come from. And so, you know, we don't quite understand the pushback either. But what we're trying to do is present these stories as entirely apolitical because they are. I Years ago, there was, a, I think, an opportunity that I had to bring Yonmi Park mm-hmm. to my church in Washington, D.C., and the silence was stunning. So I think I understand what you're talking about a little bit, but to the extent that these students are reacting, like what kind of feedback do you get after the fact? Yeah, I mean, we do teacher and student surveys, and we speak with our teachers after they've been visited by our dissident speakers, and, you know, most of the feedback is our students were emotionally impacted they were incredibly emotionally impacted by these individual stories. And also, what is so cool about the Dissident Project is that it then 
prompts conversations later. It will plant a seed. You know, when somebody hears about socialism or authoritarianism, instead of, you know, thinking immediately of what they've been taught in potentially the public school system or wherever it is they are, they can think back to their real world experience with these young dissidents and say, oh, wait, hold on. I need to fact check what I've been hearing about authoritarianism, about socialism, about whatever else with this with this story. I, I don't think this tracks. And so it just plants a seed about, plants a seed for, for future conversation. Also, it gets parents involved, which is pretty cool because, you know, these students will go home and speak about their experiences with their dissident speakers, with their parents, and start conversations within the home, which is something that we've seen widely, which, you know, is, I think, actually one of the more impactful parts of the project. That was Grace Bedalek, director of the Dissident Project. Now, Francis Huwei of Hong Kong, a speaker for the Dissident Project. What was your sense of the Chinese regime before this sort of incursion into Hong Kong that we sort of witnessed from afar over the last few years? Yeah, so a little of my background, I was born after the handover in 1997. So I actually grew up learning a lot about, you know, the basic law, how the one country, two system principle work, how that we are protected by freedom of speech, you know, rule of law, and, you know, being able to be protesting on the streets and speak the truth. So I was very fortunate to grow up in the, basically the golden era of Hong Kong society, where I was able to experience that, like to be out there and to protest as a student. And it, it was all the time that we thought like eventually we can democratize and eventually we'll get the democracy for Hong Kongers that we can elect our own officials in the future. But I guess in 2019, like at the pro-democracy movement, it was like the last floof of, you know, freedom fight. And in 2020, when the when Hong Kong, basically the Chinese government imposed a national security law in Hong Kong, that's when everything started to him down and and the civil society was demolished press media are shut down and a lot of people had to leave hong kong because of the political situation and me myself is one of the people who have to flee hong kong because of the political persecutions happening to me and i was also very lucky that i was able to come to the united states and you know seek for asylum and eventually got asylum in the u.s in 2021 but Again, a lot of people are stuck in Hong Kong. They decided to stay in Hong Kong and, well, they became political prisoners. Now there are like over a thousand of political prisoners in Hong Kong. They are young people, students, like my friends that I, I met during my activism. There are teachers, lawyers, lawmakers, human rights defenders in general. And these are just people who come from all walks of life who want to fight for freedom in Hong Kong and, and, you know, protect our homeland. You have friends in Hong Kong. For sure, yeah. How how have you been able to maintain contact with them and what have they been telling you? So it's it's really hard to, I wouldn't say I don't have contact with any of my friends, but a lot of times we, we would have to find more private way to communicate. It's not like we're living a normal life like normal people. Like, because I don't want to jeopardize their safety for talking with me. But obviously, there, you know, with social media, I can still, like, kind of know what they're up to in daily life. I mean, the situation in Hong Kong is, 
it's kind of different from people who are in mainland China because the Hong Kong government is still trying to protect the image, like the brand of Hong Kong being a international financial center. And so they would still tell the world like, oh, we still have freedom. People can still protest. But what you don't know is they would limit people into like 50 people in a group and everyone would have a wristband and they would be all followed and monitored by the police. And they would tell you, oh, we have like freedom to internet access. But at the same time, there are websites that are being blocked. You can be arrested for the, what you said on, on online. So they're trying to to show you, like a, to frame that Hong Kong still have freedom. It's a free society. But at the same time, for people who are actually living it, they understand like it's not a entire like freedom that they're enjoying it's like a there is like a blurred red line that that's been there like you don't know what when you're going to step on their toes and 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 violate the law in their eyes i visited hong kong in 2015 and it it was one of the most amazing places i've ever been mm-hmm. it was a, a vibrant city with you know both towering industry mm-hmm. and guys just on the street striving to to make a living it's it's everything and everything in between and it it saddens me a little bit that there's really no way for me to ever go back there mm-hmm. or at least i don't feel comfortable ever going back there is it, you know what do you get the sense of what has changed since you left other other than the protest in terms of just the daily life mm-hmm. of people there i think in general People are living in a sorry. I think in general, people are living in under a very high pressure. If you, I would, I always tell people this: if you have been to Hong Kong five years ago and then you go back to Hong Kong right now to for travel, you wouldn't notice a difference. It's still kind of the same city, but if you are actually living there, working there, you know what kind of you know the 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 pressure and and the repressions that's kind of around you, like. While you're living a normal life, there are people who continue to go to court. They're still fighting their trial. These are political crimes that can get people up to life imprisonment. And I think what sets me a lot is like a lot of people are trying to make their life and like, you know, live a normal life. But at the same time, we just can't get over what happened in, in the city. It's not the same anymore. While the government continues to say, oh, it's back to normal, come back t- and, and do business with us and come to trouble. And it's all it's these kind of campaigns that like estranged people that have witnessed what happened in the past few years. And I think that's why, you know, when you're living in such a high pressure environment and you don't know at what point you're going to pissed off the government and and be arrested, I think... That's why people, when, when your personal liberty is violated and it's so stressful to, to live in, in Hong Kong right now, that's why a lot of people decided to leave Hong Kong or at least they have a plan to relocate to somewhere else because it's not the Hong Kong we know anymore. It's not familiar to us. You've been touring the country with the, the film, The Hong Konger. Mm-hmm. What, what has been the reaction and I guess... You know, what new understanding do people have about Hong Kong after having seen that film and talked to you? 
Yeah, so The Hong Konger is actually a, a documentary about Jimmy Lai, which is an entrepreneur and also a founder of the Apple Daily, which is a pro-democracy newspaper in Hong Kong. I know Cato Institute recently also gave Jimmy Lai in... The Milton Friedman. Yeah, the Milton Friedman Prize. And, you know, J- Jimmy's story is truly fascinating, like understanding that he come from a very wealthy background. He like, I mean, he didn't have like, a wealthy family, but he came here and make all everything he had in Hong Kong. And I just, I, I, I remember very vividly that in the film that he talked about the reason he chose to stay is because when he come to Hong Kong and China when he was very young, he had nothing, and he got everything in Hong Kong. So Hong Kong gave him all the freedom he has. So he chose to stay because he owe Hong Kong freedom. And he's paying the freedom back to Hong Kong by staying and and being locked behind bars and and you know even if they, his freedom is stripped away immediately, I think that's so powerful and it, it's a new way to understand. I mean, I have always seen him like he's like Giordano's founder and also Apple Daily's founder, and like I've always seen him in like newspaper like everywhere on the internet, but just knowing the background and like like his values is like his stories is so fascinating and i think for you know general american audience when they when they saw this film it's it's also very amazing to see that oh wow like someone who have who have everything who literally have all the opportunity to leave hong kong and he chose to stay and i think for people in the united states when they have enjoyed freedom for their entire life it's something that i don't know like i mean for me it's like i see i know the story of hong kong and i have experienced how it feels to be under oppression but yeah i'm not sure how like u.s audience see this but i i think if i grew up in a in a environment that is like completely free and never have to worry about my freedom it's it's a you know, it's it's strange to to see what's going on in Hong Kong. You know, when we gave Jimmy Lai the Freeman Prize and his son Sebastian gave a nice speech at our event, you know, the discussions that we had both before and after was that Jimmy Lai sort of had put down a gauntlet and sort of made at least me and I know a lot of my colleagues question, could we do the same thing? Like if we were called upon and 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 were so you know fabulously wealthy as Jimmy Lai is and was that could we actually do the things that he has done and it's really it's 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 both inspiring and challenging yeah to to understand what he's done on behalf of the people of Hong Kong the the courage that he has i think it's the most powerful part like you know he looks straight into the camera and say that and and at the end of his film, I remember it was like him, like hit with tears in his eyes and say like, goodbye. And that was just like goosebumps. Like, you know, this man has been locked behind bars now for over 900 days. And he's, I think he's the oldest political prisoner in Hong Kong right now. And, you know, I come from a journalism background. I want to become a reporter and journalist. And... For someone who published a newspaper to speak the truth and be logged behind bars, and he's like, you know, in solitary confinement, 
you know, a diabetic 75 years old man. And, and, and we probably, you know, Sebastian also always say this, he probably never seen his dad anymore. And that just, you know, let, I, I always tell people, let this sink in. Like you never be able to go back to your home and see your dad for Jimmy. He can never see his family. And he's also like, his colleagues are also in jail because of, you know, they were in the board and like also doing the same thing. And I don't know what he's going through. And it's just very hard to, to imagine. Francis Hue is a speaker for The Dissident Project. Grace Bedalek directs The Dissident Project. We spoke earlier this month in Memphis. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 